0: Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's BYTE.com. That's B Y T E.com. Start your confidence journey today with BYTE. Ghost Stealers!
1: Ghost Stealers! Say Ghost Stealers!
2: Ghost Stealers! August 12th, 2018, episode 51. This is Tom from the Washington, D.C. Outpost, back from a bucolic week at the beach. Nick joins me from the Houston Outpost, no doubt. It's, it's above 108 there today, right? It's
1: above 108 every day if you count the humidity, but I think they actually cracked it. It's, uh, once you get used to it and you, you burn off the first few layers of skin that you have, it really doesn't affect you as much.
2: Ah, conditioning. Well done. So I will make my confession that I was at the beach. It was fantastic. Sun every day except for a 45-minute interlude, which was needed uh, to cool things down a little bit. But I did not watch the first preseason game until about an hour ago on Game Pass. And I'll further confess, I watched the first half. I used to want to watch the whole thing just out of interest, but it just doesn't seem like a good use of time. <laughs>
1: That's all right. I'm gl- I'm glad, and I think the listeners are glad that you got that off your chest and that you're honest with everybody. Oh, I
2: much better had
1: trouble with the stream, just from a technology standpoint. So I struggled through watching it as it happened, but ended up just shutting it down and waiting until they put the game up. Pretty much immediately after on Game Pass, and I checked it out there. Um, but when I did my rewatch, I only watched the first half as well, because that's what I think we'll be focusing on for the podcast today. And that's where I think we have our relevant information because it is preseason game number one. And to me, you know, obviously two and three are where a lot of the meat is, but we did learn a lot in number one, and we'll go over that today
2: the most important thing is the Steelers won 31-14 over the World champ, formerly former <laughs> world champion Philadelphia Eagles i would
1: That's actually say is. the most important thing <laughs> is usually not winning related i think a lot of people would really, uh, would probably say in preseason the most important thing is that you stay healthy and we got a scare with that a in my opinion a very big scare when the backup guard now the starting guard, because of Ramon Foster's injury, BJ Finney went down during the game, and we didn't know what was going to happen to him. Luckily, this game does count as a win, because it looks like he's only got a contusion or something like that, and he should be ready within a couple of weeks, but after finney i don't know you would be putting in a swing lineman like matt filer who's never played really meaningful time in an nfl game into the starting lineup you'd be one tackle injury away from chooks who's never played in an nfl game and he's quite the project so that offensive line depth is really going to be tested in the preseason and it's kind of a preview of what kind of disaster it could be if you lost guys during the regular season but like i said luckily it looks like he will be coming back so we did win in my opinion
2: Agree. We've had seasons, especially uh, three or four years ago when the offensive line was decimated before we even got started. So uh, it is a little worrisome that uh, our depth in offensive line is jeopardized. But I think actually Filer did not play a bad game. No, not uh, not that we should depend on him for the season. Uh, Thank goodness. Finney doesn't have anything serious.
1: Yeah, we do see Filer play well for sure but yeah like you said we don't want to see him in the starting lineup and and last night showed us that that could be a reality let's hope that we don't ever have to face that reality
2: uh so i was debating whether we started out with high points or low points I, mm. it's i don't i just don't feel good about just tearing into the steelers at the end of the show when there's it's just too early it's to to criticize anything let's just make some observations let's start with what we consider the low points of the game. yeah. we'll end up on a high note.
1: Yeah, yeah. we we won't do it at the end. We'll do it at the beginning. We'll try and bring you guys up at the the back of the podcast, and that shows you that we're really working on this and on ourselves because it does put me in a bad mood when we talk about that at the end. So I like your idea. There are, to me, two or three main points that you can glean from this game. I think you're going to get – more points to look at in preseasons games number two and three. And then number four, you know, you kind of dial it back. The starters usually don't play in that one. But the main point of this game revolves around one of the main points of the offseason. We want to see how the inside linebackers are going to play. With the loss of Ryan Chazier, I think that is the biggest thing that happened to this team before this season. I mean, I'm sure everybody would agree that when you're a top four players goes down, but... It was horrific. They weren't just bad, they were awful. Vince wasn't good, but man, Bostic and Matakiewicz did not look like they belonged. And they, we'll get more into the details of how they actually looked. I don't know if you want to do a positional breakdown later, if you just want to get into it now, but whether they were diagnosing plays wrong. Or straight up missing tackles or getting run over, getting juked out by quarterbacks. Anything they could do wrong, they did wrong. And they didn't do anything really to make up for it. And we got gashed in the running game. And it kind of gave us the impression, as particularly with that first drive or two when most of their starting offensive line was in for the Eagles. It gave me the impression that, like, wow, you're, you're right back where you started from with this defense. It doesn't look like it improved. But that's to me a massive over-exaggeration from a lot of Steelers nation, but didn't look great.
2: Well, it's not as if we saw a reconstitution of the defense. I mean, it did look a lot like last year. Let's start with the, the first time the Steelers punted with a beautiful uh punt down to the three-yard line. Marcus Tucker downs it. A holding penalty takes it within the two-yard line. So the Eagles are ripe for being pinned against the goal line, a safety, if not... Uh, a, a punt from inside their their red zone. What happens? Ajayi takes it for 22 yards. There was a four yard. This is this is a play I looked at about five times. There was a four yeah. yard hole between Tuitt and Burns. Boston comes from back from the backside. He whiffs. Burnett yeah. and Burns nullified each other as they tripped over each other trying to make the tackle. Finally, oh. Sean Davis brought him down 22 yards later. That that just uh, that seems like classic last year.
1: Yeah, that was kind of the play of the game, if you look at that. And there might be a, a couple other plays of the game that really stood out that told you something about the Steelers. You know, there are plays that happen, and then there are plays that are more indicative of bigger trends. Luckily, a couple of those other plays actually happened for the Steelers' offense in a good way, I think. But right now we're talking about that one, because that was classic, that long run by a Ajayi. That was what even the freaking Houston Texans were doing to us when we blew them out. I don't know if that was a Christmas game or something or or Thanksgiving, but when we played the Texans last year, and they were horrific, and that's when you really knew that we were getting run over by everyone, the Browns, and then, of course, the Jaguars in the playoffs. It was that type of play. I will say this. That play design was brilliant, and I hope the Steelers steal it. It was pretty cool. They had the line was more overloaded to the right side, and the line all down-blocked to the right giving the impression for the Steelers that the run was going to go to the right. And then the quarterback, Sudfeld, turned around to his right and made it look like he was just going to hand off to Ajayi and go up the right side. But Ajayi countered, and Sudfeld, you kind of have to watch it to – see how cool it is because otherwise the way i'm describing sounds just like a normal counter but Jai slid back to the other guy's side and it was a cutback play and it was just Jai and bostic in the hole first off he diagnosed it very slowly and then when he got there he underran the guy and basically just totally whiffed and then like you said that you know davis and burnett just bounced off each other which is classic Artie burns so not Davis. Sorry. Brent. I think it's
2: a really good observation the way uh, the offense got our defense moving in one direction, which would be OK if you had protection on the outside. But it was it was I think Matt was exposed on a later play where Clemens took the ball up a hole between Chipolo and Hooks. And on Ugh. that counter, Matt just couldn't wheel around fast enough to pull him down. For not, it, it was a nine-yard game.
1: Uh, well, Matakavich on that play actually was able to square up to him. And Clement, who's a very shifty running back uh, for sure, but this was just embarrassing, man. Like, I, I get it if you're doing this to a backup linebacker, which is what we view Matakavich as, but, man, he, sh- he shook him out of his cleats. He, I thought he did have an opportunity to get square with him. Clement basically fake like he was going outside. Bostick, like, jump-hopped to the outside to go make the tackle. And he didn't even get a finger on the guy. Clement faked out, went inside, left Matikavich in the dust. That one was horrible for Matakavich, But the one that was even worse was when he came free on a pass rush to get Nate Sudfeld. Nate Sudfeld is a Caucasian third string quarterback in the NFL. And Nate looks to his right and then just sort of stepped up with nobody around him. And he shook Tyler Matakavich. And that's what led me to make this note. And let, me, let me pull it up right here. In my notes, I wrote, Matakavich athletically is one step above Tom Brady as far as NFL players go. And pretty as bad as you can get for dirty red there. We're going to start calling him just red. We're taking the dirty out of there until he earns it back.
2: Well, there were a couple of good plays, and Bostic was involved in two two, um, tackles for losses, one against Clement and one against Ajayi. Is that the Uh, one
1: where he missed the tackle, where he shed the block, got right in there and tackled him one-on-one and slid off, and the defensive line had to make the tackle?
2: No, he actually made uh, two tackles for loss. One was uh, a—he got an assist by—how do you say Huguenin's name? Did I say that right? That sounded pretty good. Huguenin. Huguenin.
1: Sort of like Favre. Yeah, sure.
2: Anyway, there were a couple. Of, it, it wasn't all. It wasn't all he, bad, but I mean, there was a. Uh, I think the Eagles averaged five yards a carry. Yeah,
1: that's not good. Eagles have a great offensive line. I, I actually, I'm I know sorry. that that was most of their starters. I didn't know if I don't know if that was all of them, or I don't know if like you know Peters was playing. Actually, I, sh- I should check back on that. But I know. I mean, regardless, man, it it did look bad. I just want to say that. It was bad, but it was preseason game number one. And Bostic, I'm not giving up on Bostic necessarily right away. I think we kind of know what we have in Maticiewicz. I think he's the kind of guy who actually could have some really good games. We've seen him have a lot of tackles before. But Bostic and Burnett, who also at safety are another newcomer, he didn't have a particularly good game, uh, especially tackling either. But, man, it's their first game with the team. It's the first preseason game. We still got a while to go for the regular season. So I'm not going to put it on red alert now. I'm just going to say that, man, as far as the first step goes, it didn't look good.
2: So as far as pass coverage went, I mean, did you have any observations other than Shelton Gibson with a 63-yard reception for a touchdown? Uh, Yeah, that was a little Goddard.
1: Goddard, Yeah. Goddard had a nice long catch kind of earlier. That was uh, Vince Williams hadn't gotten deep on that. Honestly, I don't think that the secondary got tested much. I don't think that we had much to look at with them. It's nice to see the Steelers getting interceptions. You know that they traditionally don't. So it's nice to see them happening. But if you go back and you watch the interceptions um they really were gifted i mean they were they were bad reads by the quarterback who didn't realize someone was dropping into his zone. on the first one he threw it directly to who was a sensor bomb and then when he threw it to sutton the receiver didn't turn around and it went right into sutton's hand so I, i'm not gonna read too much into those i'll say it's nice that you're getting them at least um at least the steelers are within camera frame of the receivers i'll say that because that's been a problem in the past few years
2: Let's refocus the laser on the offensive line, because I think that was another little bit of a scary situation there. Steelers gave up four sacks, five tackles for losses and seven quarterback hits. And I got to say, I did not break that down between the two halves.
1: Well, we can move on. Do you want to go? So we kind of went off the rails there, although I think we did center it around the inside linebackers. But we wanted to talk about the low points versus the high points in the game the low points the low point we we decide is the inside linebackers do you want to go and talk about individual elements on offense or do you want to talk about the high point or do you really want to say it kind of makes sense i thought the offensive line
2: i was sticking with the low point uh theme and just pointed out that i didn't think the offensive line uh, presented itself in the best light
1: they did not they did not and um fletcher cox who is an absolute monster. He's a top three, if not top two, defensive lineman in the league. He owned David DeCastro on that first sack. So, like I said, he is a beast. He's amazing. He's going to get one on you. But damn, DeCastro, you're supposed to be an all-pro as well. It, It was too easy. It's not like it was a battle. He just ran him over. And then on the next play, they threw a screen to Connor, and Fletcher Cox chased him down. So they got owned by a super stud there. And then the second sack on Landry, this is a big downside. James Conner has not gotten better at blocking. I really expected to see a marked improvement from him there because that's kind of what we talked about James Conner all last year in this offseason as, man, if this guy can just get the blocking down and maybe improve the catching a little bit, but particularly the blocking, he's going to be a, I don't know, I don't know if I'd say starting caliber. Yeah, I do think a starting caliber NFL running back, if you get the blocking down, he is bad. Malcolm Jenkins, the safety for the Eagles, just kind of shoved him aside as he got a a sack on Landry. So I'm not going to blame that one totally on the line, but that is part of pass blocking. And that was a low point, definitely. I didn't see great pass blocking at James Conner.
2: Why don't we, since we're on the running backs, let's let's do a little focus on positions. So James Conner actually actually was kind of oppressive from a running aspect
1: well this actually kind of segues right into my bright points this is the second of my two bright points i thought the running backs competed hard and i thought all 3 I mean, I guess you got four in there with Jalen Samuels. But between James Conner, Fitzgerald Toussaint, the fumbler, and the Riddler, I thought they all ran really well. James Conner just knows how to run the football, man. It's funny. You keep thinking his luck's going to run out with his one carry per game for 10 yards every time. But the guy just knows how to hit the hole. He knows how to get skinny. He knows how to sort of uh changes running speeds although it, it looks so different watching james conner run after you get used to seeing LeVion run because LeVion's obviously skating around back there. James hits it a lot quicker but James Conner looks noticeably slimmer. Would you did you notice that as well? Uh I thought he got a he nice haircut. Oh, I
2: thought he's it was got a hair.
1: great mullet. He's got a power mullet. He's under understand- <laughs> he's joining the revolution. I can put some pictures up of mine if you like. But Uh, the dude knows how to run the ball and he looked great running the ball he if there's a crease he gets through it and he gets yardage and he was running violently there were a couple of times where I saw him exude one of my most important traits for a running back which is turning a loss into a short gain which Le'Veon is incredible at doing historically and he would you know, he gets surrounded by a couple guys. He would at least truck one of them down to the ground. So he's displaying power. He's displaying uh, displaying speed. And he's a uh, much different style than Le'Veon. So he really could get, you know, three carries a game and be a great change of pace to Lev because these teams spend all week now training for the Le'Veon Bell run style. You know, the Patriots were the first one, of course, to really train against it. And if you're used to what they tell their defense alignment with Le'Veon is – Defensive linemen are taught to engage with their blockers and then throw the blocker off and make the tackle. What you have to teach when you play Lev is do not throw the guy off. You have to wait and hold your blocker to the absolute last second because when, when these defensive linemen throw their blockers away, that's when Lev cuts back and it's hard to tackle him. So if you get a team used to doing that and you get James Conner in there with his decisiveness, you could pop some big runs. So he, he ran great. He blocked horrible.
2: Can we turn our attention to the quarterbacks? Because I think Ben has competition for the starting quarterback position given Landry's quarterback rating near perfect, 158.3. I mean, it's hard hard to battle. Quattro, 83 yards, and a beautiful touchdown pass.
1: Eh, It was not a beautiful touchdown pass. It was a tremendous overthrow, underthrow, excuse me. Yeah, that was my one note for Landry, two notes for Landry. A, I feel bad for him because like we said, the blocking was not great and he was getting crushed by some of the toughest players in the NFL. But uh, the touchdown play to Juju was awesome. It was a free play. He did a great job recognizing the defense, went offsides, they hopped back, he snapped the ball and he knew and Juju knew to go deep, which is necessary. That's a part of the Steelers' offense. Ben and Aaron Rodgers are like the two best guys at that, getting you to go off sides and then taking a shot downfield. Well, he threw it to Juju, who had a step on the guy, and it was horrid underthrow. Juju had to stop in midair and then moss the guy. If you think about it, it set Juju up for an amazing catch, so maybe he's just testing the receivers in the preseason, but if he just put out that
2: free guy, come on.
1: Did you watch the throw?
2: Yeah, I watched he it. He literally
1: had to stop. He had to, If you throw it ahead of him, he runs and he catches it for a touchdown. Yes. You're lucky that,
2: was an inter- that should have been an interception. Sure, he wanted Juju to be on display. All his talents. It was, a, it was a bad
1: throw. It was a bad underthrow. All right, All right. He's lucky he had Juju out there.
2: Let's talk about the, you the want to talk positives. About <laughs> no, I want to talk about the positive of Dobbs. He had an um, incredible rushing average of 9.5 yards for carry.
1: Well, if he's uh, ever going to play in the NFL, which is sort of doubtful, I mean, he's going to have to leverage that running ability. And, hey, he looked a lot more comfortable, for sure, you'll say, from last year. So that's nice to see. But he is just not good. Josh Jobs, <laughs> he's not decisive, man. I mean, I didn't, you know, it just it's just hard to see. I don't have too much to say with him. His day has got to be number with Mason Rudolph coming behind him. He didn't show me anything particular that I expected to see a bigger jump from him, especially with the pressure of Mason Rudolph being there, maybe thinks he can beat out Landry. So he wasn't bad, but there was nothing really right. write home about.
2: He definitely let's move wasn't on to the, Since we were talking about passing, let's move to the wide receiver battle. How do you see that? So this was my, now?
1: yeah, this was my biggest, um, high point of the game. There were some awesome performances by the receivers. Juju's catch. And touchdown, that was what we need to see from him. That's, like, the potential of Juju. Landry underthrew that ball, as I said once or seven times earlier, and he went up and textbook mossed the guy, jumped over the guy's head, grabbed the ball off of his head, and then ran for the touchdown. The play didn't stop there. That's some big boy stuff from Juju. So that was awesome to see that from him. It's so exciting to think that we're going to have a receiver who can do that. We've never really had a possession guy outside of AB, and Hines did something sort of like that, but he was more like go up in between three people and body catch it for 20 yards and get crushed. This is a guy who can go up and make catches with his hands, which is what we've needed. You know, Martavis, did that one in every six you know before last year but someone who can who's big strong body can make those catches that's what they drafted juju to do and that's also why they drafted james washington who did the exact same thing on another gorgeous catch down the sideline where you had a guy draped all over him he boxed him out he jumped up he high pointed the ball and came down with it he's got a similar build to juju and that's why we drafted those two guys we haven't had success in drafting those strong possession receivers, and it looks like we got two of them just based off of those two plays.
2: Now, a game does not a career make, but do you think the Steelers have a making of another, you know, another um, wide wide rece- uh, wide receiver? Sorry, <laughs> in Demond Patterson, receiver. wide wide yeah, out, man, wide he... receiver.
1: Well, Six he's setting himself apart. Yeah. And that touchdown he had was gorgeous. All three of those guys, the three best catches of preseason week one were by Steelers players. Juju, Demon Patterson with that gorgeous touchdown reception, and then Washington. Demon was awesome. But, you know, Marcus Tucker's had, had a great preseason last year, and, uh, you know, you see it. it only gets you so far, and there's only so much room on the team. But, man, I don't know. If he has three more games like that, that's a guy that you might want to put on your team. I mean, he's a shoe in for practice squad, but uh, he looked great. You think practice squad? Loved it. I don't know. We'll see. I, I think that he's going to need to put together a pretty awesome preseason because guys have done it before. But after that game, you can be sure he's going to get a bigger piece of the pie in practice. And he separated himself from Tevin Coleman, number 14, who had a pretty weak game. He had a drop where he got scared over the middle in enemy territory over there, so that didn't help him. I mean, Demont Patterson really stood out in this game.
2: Any other comments before we look at next week? But,
1: no, that's pretty much it. I'm more excited for next week and the third week. It was nice to see some Steelers football. It was not nice to watch that defense let us down again, but like I said, it was just the first week, and they got some time to improve, and I think you can expect a little bit of that when you bring some new players into the fold who haven't actually... Into battle,
2: but of course, here. but of course. So the Steelers' injuries look like this: Vance McDonald still to be seen, Xavier Grimble still questionable, B.J. Finney we talked about earlier in the show, Kyle Meadows. I don't know if anybody even picked up on this. Kyle Meadows, offensive tackle, was waived in favor of Zach Banner, who we just brought in this week.
1: Oh yeah, they signed him today.
2: Yeah, yeah. signed him today. I think you can rest rest easily tonight. But next week we take on <laughs> Got the, banner. the Green Bay Packers at Lambeau Field, uh, eight p.m. game goodness. time. Damn, I hate the late games.
1: Yeah, we gotta move to the West Coast. It'll be an <laughs> easy one, breezy. Be in bed before nine.
2: Floods, fires, mudslides. Sorry, no. Yeah, man. Nah. Plus, just
1: they don't even eat meat out there.
2: Hey, we appreciate you listening to the show. We do it each week, as you know, and uh, this is episode 51. We're going to keep it going, and we're going to pick up some steam here as we get to real football. If you haven't already subscribed, please do so. Please tell a friend. We're striving to make the show as informative and entertaining as possible, and we'd love to get your feedback. So hit us up on Twitter at Steelers Outpost. Leave us a note on the blog at SteelersOutpost.com or shoot us an email at SteelersOutpost at gmail.com. Until next week, thanks for listening. Go Steelers.
1: Okay, bye bye.
0: There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for. or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing! I'm so glad you made it